Lats Factor Podcast. What is up, lacrosse fans? You're watching another episode of the Lax Factor Podcast. I am your lumberjack-looking host, Ted Hoost, and today we're going to talk about uh, three things. We are going to, one, I'm going to rip through uh, Syracuse and Johns Hopkins schedules. I'm actually going to do Hopkins first, and I'm going to do Syracuse after. They, they Both of these teams traditionally have put out the toughest schedule year in and year out they, they don't dodge teams at all and they play fewer games than other teams so they, they put an emphasis on quality week in and week out and on preparing for that game every weekend and uh at least with Syracuse they don't play a whole lot of weekday games or hadn't traditionally um as they played through that first brutal stretch of their schedule and Hopkins isn't too much different uh so I want to discuss their schedules I'm going to rip through and do win uh, predictions really just kind of off the hip predictions for Hopkins full schedule um with a record at the end of the regular season and I'll do the same thing thing for Syracuse and then I also wanted to discuss about how players are putting out new training programs and my thoughts on you know how worth it is that so in this episode's end uh segment of ask Ted, I'm going to answer the question, are these uh, online training programs that the player's putting out worth the money that you would put up for your kid to play in them? Uh, So before we get into it, though, I want to discuss this week's sponsor, which happens to be one of those training programs, uh, Series 1 by Sergio Salcido. He's got a new training program coming out called Train My Way. Uh, This edition is going to include three shooting drills, three dodging drills, three advanced technique drills, and one bonus drill, and it comes with 24-7 online accessibility so to learn more go to sergio salcedo 48.com forward slash t m w but to keep that simple i will put a link in the description so you can go to sergio salcedo 48.com forward slash t m w to learn more about his new series called train my way and this is the first uh of a, a series of many so link in the description go visit it and and real quick I do think that these training programs offered by the pros are worth it. So you can uh, hear the full pitch on that in my uh, segment of Ask Ted that'll be at the end of this podcast. But that is this week's sponsor. So let's get into this now here. And we'll go into first the deep dive down Johns Hopkins schedule. And as I said, I've been I've been saying it for two years now. I think Hopkins needed to dumb down um, their schedule uh, because it's absolutely brutal. And I figured they needed to dumb it down by at least one game, maybe two games, maybe take one of those, ugh, you know, like top 10 teams that they play every year, especially because their conference is pretty tough as well now. And, you know, maybe replace that with a mid-level team that you're going to beat them seven out of 10 times, as opposed to, you know, kind of teams, some of the teams are playing, it's there's kind of splitsies these days. So last year, they go 8-8, eight and eight, and it's partially because of that brutal schedule. But the only reason they make their conference tournament and the NCAA tournament is they get a win over Maryland at the end of the regular season. Ohio State screwed the pooch, and they picked up a huge loss. So Hopkins gets in by virtue of beating Maryland, and Ohio State, I think, losing to Michigan, I think, was how that swung. Uh, they end up 8-8, eight and eight, but you know, leading into that, I think they were 5-7. and seven. Uh, at one point heading into their conference tournament or five and six. So they had a losing record late in the season um, and, and used the two wins over Maryland to get into the conference tournament. And then that second window over Maryland in their conference tournament really is what propelled them into the NCAA tournament. So two late season wins over a very tough Maryland uh, gets Hopkins in. They end up losing to Penn state in their conference conference finals by a goal though, and they end up uh, losing to Notre Dame in the NCAA tournament. So I think with with Hopkins, one of their things was they had a young team. 
Um, they didn't have a clear winner at the midfield uh, position, not until late in the season anyway. And then I think it, they, you know, it was kind of an off year for Kyle Marr and Cole Williams. But Joey Epstein, he, he played tough all year, but he really decided to start leading that team towards the end of the year. So I think that Cole Williams and Epstein coming together at the end of the year mixed with Forey Smith. Everyone, especially coming into this year, says Hopkins doesn't have that signature mid that can draw eyeballs, draw slides, and then free things up for the attackman. But I think Forey Smith became that midfielder at the end of the year last year for Hopkins, and I think we'll see that uh, uh, come into this year. Uh, so if you're one of the Petro must-go uh, type people, you know, I'm not with you. The guy wins. The guy wins despite playing the best of the best every year. You know, so here are my predictions for their 2020 season. And as I said, I haven't prepared outside of just glancing at it. I'm flying off hip on these, and uh, these are really – more than anything, um, uh, just, you know, terrible half-baked predictions. So we'll see what happens. Uh, one thing to note, no Doyle Smith Cup this year versus UVA. Petro, maybe he's listening to me. He's not. Um, and uh, dropping one of those savage games and picking up something a bit more likely uh, to become a win. I think that was important. We'll see. Uh, but UVA and Hop, they've met 94 times with Hopkins holding a definitive edge in the matchup. But that was going to turn, I think, um, with how loaded UVA is is this year and should be uh, for uh, the coming year. So let's get into Hopkins' schedule blow by blow. I am bringing up my browser, and here we go. First game, uh, February 8th, early one, against Towson. They dropped this one last year, I believe. Uh, let's confirm that. I believe they dropped their first two last year, and that is confirmed. They lost to Towson at Towson last year, but Towson was a veteran-laden team, a ton of really solid attack, man, they've lost a lot, so Hopkins, they're going to win this one um, this year against Towson to open, and I think they're actually going to kind of do well early, do much better early this season than they did last year. Um, then they hit uh, Loyola, yeah, okay, so they play Towson at home, that's a win for Hopkins. They play Loyola uh, on the road, and I think that's going to be a win for Hopkins. That, they got brutalized last year by Pat Spencer and Loyola to the point that Spencer just looked like he was playing with the poor um, Blue Jays. So I think they're going to get a win there uh, at, on the road. So they're going to start out 2-0. and Then we move on to Lo uh, North Carolina. Uh, UNC is going to come to Johns Hopkins. The Chris Gray led UNC. This was a one-goal game last year, and I actually think that uh, UNC Hopkins got the win by a goal at North Carolina. And uh, this year at home, I think they're going to lose. I think they're actually going to get lose to North Carolina. I think Chris Gray led UNC is going to be solid. UNC brings back almost everybody, solid goalkeeping. So I think that they're a better team this year, and I think going on the road is going to be exciting for them with their new-look team, new-look offense. Last year they were very uh, conservative, did not put up a bunch of points. I think that's going to change a little bit this year. Gray is going to draw a lot of attention, and UNC has already built well around him. Uh, so I think they're going to finish well. So Hopkins, they start out 2-1. and one. They then go on the road and play Princeton and Michael Sowers. I think that Princeton, just not there yet. I think Hopkins gets the win over Princeton. So at this point, they are 4-1, and one, heading 4-1, uh, and one, and they're about to host Syracuse on uh, March 7th. I think Cuse gets the win at Homewood. I think Cuse is loaded. I think they're solid up and down the field, even in cage. They're, they're solid on attack. They're solid at midfield. They're solid on D, even with a couple of the losses from last year. And then in goal, they're, they're solid as well. So I think Syracuse is going to take Hopkins at home. We're looking at Hopkins now, three and two. But then they go on a good stretch here. They play Mount St. Mary's, win. 
They play Navy, win. That The Navy's on the road. They play Delaware on the road. That's a win. So here we are, one, two, three, four, five, six wins, and uh, only two losses up to this point uh, against Delaware. So we're now sitting at March 17th at Delaware, and now they've got six wins after that Delaware win and only three losses. And we got Michigan, win. So they're at seven and three. They've got Rutgers, win. Now they're at eight and three. Then they've got Penn State. At home, Penn State's going to beat them at home. I believe Penn State's going to be a juggernaut, so they're going to drop that one. They are then going to go back on the road, beat Ohio State on April 18th, and then we've got uh, April 25th against Maryland at home. Uh, I'm going to say Maryland's going to exact revenge on them uh, at this point, and uh, both teams need a quality, you know, need just another quality win to just bolster their um, their record to get into the NCAA tournament. But at this point, I think both of these teams will already be in the NCAA tournament, so I'm going to give them a loss uh, to Maryland. So as I'm ripping through here, I think their wins are going to be against Towson, Loyola, Princeton, Mount St. Mary's, Navy, Delaware, Michigan. Rutgers and Ohio State. So Hopkins during the regular season picks up nine wins and then losses would be to North Carolina, Syracuse, Penn State, and Maryland in the regular season. So I got Hopkins during the regular season going nine and four. They're going to make their conference tournament. Uh, what they do from there is anyone's guess because once you make that tournament, the four teams that are going to make that tournament are probably going to be Penn State. Hopkins, um, Maryland, and take your pick beyond that. So I believe that it it's, depends on who the two or three seed ends up being with them because I don't, I don't see yeah, – I guess they could even end up being the four seed, but probably not. I think that based on my logic here, they end up being the three seed, so they're probably playing Maryland in the um, Big Ten Conference semifinal. So you know they'll have lost to Maryland. They'll have to play them again most likely in the Big Ten Conference uh, semifinals, so it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. But I've got Hopkins having a really good season, a bounce back, se- b- bounce back season, uh, probably getting themselves back to the nine win plateau or so, and that'll obviously uh, be good enough to keep them in the top ten through the regular season and get them a legitimate bid to the NCAA tournament. And uh, I'm glad for that. You know, I think that Joey Epstein is good enough. I think they're going to find somebody to play solid and cage. The defense has been rough all, you know, the, their defense has been starting. How do I say it? Their defense has had a rough time at the beginning of the season into late season, but it seems like they've been shoring up the bulk of their problems by the, by the season's end and limping themselves into the playoffs, even with these down years that they've had. So I'm glad to see the resurgence. As I always say, I'm a Syracuse fan, so I should uh, rejoice in uh, Hopkins' losses. But I don't, uh, as a lacrosse fan in general, I want to see some of these Blue Bloods not come back and dominate the ways that they did. They're not going to do that, but I don't want to see some of these Blue Bloods go away. So we move on from Hopkins. And uh, we're going to get into our second segment, which is just ripping through um, Syracuse's schedule uh, in kind. So... Theirs is similarly brutal, and they had similar struggles to Hopkins last year. They lost a couple early that they didn't really want to or could afford to lose. Last year, let's see what they did. They lost to Colgate in the season opener at the Dome, which was uh, a travesty. 
Uh, and then, you know, they lose to Virginia at home. They lose to Notre Dame. But they, they pretty much shored things up en route to a 9-5 and five record last year. They end up making the tournament. Uh, they make their own conference tournament. They lose to UNC in the first round. It happens. Then they end up having a long break. And I think that hurt them leading in. They played on uh, – they lost to North Carolina on April 25th last year. Didn't play Loyola in the first round of the NCAA tournament until um, uh, May 11th. So, I mean, that, that went – quite a ways here they went what five almost 16 days without a game in between uh their their loss in their conference tournament and then having to play uh in the ncaa tournament so that was kind of brutal but uh we get back to their schedule so next year we are going to go i'm going to count under the table here so i can count the wins as i'm as they're racking them up but i think actually i think cuse is going to have a really hot start just based on what the schedule looks like so we go uh they start uh february 7th uh, home against Colgate they're going to exact revenge on Colgate possibly in a big way so I think they beat Colgate at home they're going to beat Binghamton at home in their second contest a week later week after that they're going to beat Army at home and Army's going to be tough Army's going to be an offensive test because Army defensively they're not going to be quite as good as they were last year but offensively they bring back almost everybody so that is going to be a test in the dome and I think that will end up being a close game possibly even a one goal game as it typically is with Army at the dome but I think Syracuse gets a 3-0 and start uh, with three wins over Colgate Binghamton and Army to start the season out then we get into a stretch that includes Hobart at home, Hopkins on the road, Rutgers at home, and Duke. Or no, Rutgers on the road. Yeah, so they, they end up with a Hobart at home and then three road games, uh, Hopkins, Rutgers, and Duke on the road. So Hobart at home, that's going to be a win. And, and it's not going to necessarily be an easy win. Hobart is also going to be another tough team. Some of these t- uh, games that Syracuse had on their schedule, they, they, they kind of vary. You know, some years Colgate solid. Even a couple of years Binghamton has been solid. Army's always solid. Hobart on and off, but I think this year is going to be a good year for Hobart. They Syracuse beat him in a like a nineteen sixteen or something like that last year. Uh, but Hobart's capable of putting up a bunch of goals, similar to how Army's going to be. Army's going to play better D. Um, so they get a win over Hobart. They're four and zero. They play Hopkins on the road. I already said win over Hopkins. So now they're five and zero. So Syracuse sitting at five and zero after that win on the road at Hopkins. They go to Rutgers. They're going to beat Rutgers. On the road, I believe they lost to Rutgers on the road last year. They lost to Rutgers. No, they beat Rutgers last year. It was two years ago they lost to Rutgers, I think, on the road. So after that Rutgers win, heading into Duke, Syracuse, one, two, three, four, five. Legitimately, Syracuse could, possibly should be 6-0 and heading into Duke um, on uh, March 21st uh, in their first ACC matchup. So with the Duke game... It's a tough one, too. Last year, I picked Duke um, because Syracuse had beat Duke in overtime the two years prior. So now we've got uh, Syracuse has beat Duke the last three matchups. Uh, all of them been, have been decided by one goal and either late in the game or in overtime. Two of those by Jamie Tromboli, his freshman and sophomore years in 2017 and 2018. Last year by Brendan Curry, uh, scored the game winner, I believe, in overtime. Uh at home, they played that at, at uh, high school. What was it, CNS High School? I can't remember which high school they played that game at because the dome's under construction. So I think that last year I said Duke was going to exact revenge on the Orange, and um, that proved not to be true. And I was glad that I got I got that wrong. And um, this year, I think it's going. I'm going to say the same thing this year. I think that just you end up six and zero, you got to get a loss at some point. And uh, I think that Duke may finally exact revenge on Syracuse, get a win at home against Syracuse. So Syracuse, after that Duke game, 
six and one. Bounce back game for Syracuse comes the following week at home against Notre Dame, and Notre Dame has been kryptonite for Syracuse in past years, where Syracuse has been kryptonite to Duke. Notre Dame has been that to Syracuse, but exact revenge. Notre Dame beat Syracuse up last year. It really was they came out hot, very similarly played to how uh, UVA came out and beat uh, Yale in the finals, where they just went up early, and no matter what Yale did to try to battle back, it just didn't work out for them. So I think that uh, Notre Dame is going to be the bounce-back game for Cuse after the Duke loss, and 7-1 and one after that Notre Dame game, Albany at Albany for the first time ever. So that's going to be exciting. Syracuse is going to travel to Albany to play them. Uh, that's another win. So Syracuse is at 8-1. Cornell, they're going to beat Cornell. Syracuse is now at 9-1. and one. Then we end up with uh, Syracuse hosting North Carolina at Cicero North Syracuse. Oh, I like this one too. Syracuse wins that. Syracuse sitting at 10-1 and one at this point. If I'm accurate and Syracuse handles their business, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Syracuse will be at 10-1 and one going into their final ACC game of the year, final game of the year against UVA at UVA. And let's give this one to UVA because I cannot picture Syracuse going 11-1 and one, uh, during the regular season. Uh, so Syracuse ends up hanging out at 10-2 and two with a loss to Virginia at Virginia. Uh, so that'll be Virginia beating Syracuse two games in a row. And I, I don't, I, Virginia's the better team on paper um, this year. Uh, but, you know, that's why they play the games uh, come, come the weekends and sometimes the weekdays here. So, yeah, 10-2. and two. Is that accurate? Let's count. I, I can't even believe I just said that out loud. Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Yeah, twelve games. So yeah, I think that Syracuse loses to Duke on the road. I think Syracuse loses to uh, Virginia on the road. I think they beat UNC at Cicero North Syracuse. So that's going to be cool. That'll be key too in the schedule. Is there's uh, right now at least there's two games scheduled to be played at Cicero North Syracuse. Um, Notre Dame on March 28th and uh, North Carolina on, uh, or no, yeah, Notre Dame on March 28th and um, North Carolina on April 11th. Both will be played at Cicero North Syracuse High School because of dome construction. But I think Syracuse, and it, in the end, what it comes down to is it, to me, it looks like Syracuse and Johns Hopkins are both uh, about to have some big bounce back years, just kind of way, the way the schedule falls, the way the teams line up within that schedule. Obviously, it is way too early. Um, for me to be predicting this. Obviously, I could be totally wrong, and I think what I need to do is probably go back and uh, look at some of the predictions I made early season last year and see how I did. I'll do that as one of the third segments of one of these upcoming podcasts here. But in the end, I, I, I the Blue Bloods, they're recruiting. They've missed a little bit, and things have spread out a little bit, but you watch uh, Syracuse has had a really good year this year for, for future years. Uh, landing Chase Scanlon made up for a couple of misses that they had Um early on or a couple of the guys that flipped so you end up with Scanlon for three more years all-american caliber midfielder slash attack um, you have the midfield line that Syracuse has this year with Tucker Dordovic Brendan Curry and Jamie Tromboli that is going to be brutal and then there's solid midfielders behind those guys in Lipka and um, um, Buttermore and, and it goes down beyond that defensively we've got Mellon rocket number 11 uh, you know we've got a uh, Porter and Cage I mean there's a lot in, in the ginger wonder in uh, Brett Kennedy. So there's a, a bunch of reasons to be optimistic for Syracuse. I think with Hopkins, uh, they got to shore up their goaltending, shore up their defense a little bit, but I think Forey Smith is going to be a huge, huge factor 
in Hopkins resurgence this year and in them getting back to that nine win uh, plateau. And then the attack unit is going to be huge also. But I think uh, Cole Williams now gelling with uh, uh, Joey Epstein is going to be huge for Hopkins moving forward as well. So, you know, for those two teams, I think that's huge. I think they're both going to have huge seasons. I think that they're both going to probably spend a little bit of time in the top five even uh, this year, maybe top seven. Uh, as the preseason rankings come out, they both fared fairly well. So that's okay for them too. I think what Syracuse was like seventh and eighth uh, between the two polls and Hopkins was, was good as well. I think they'll both rise and fall a little bit as the season goes, but it'll be good to see their resurgence. We get into the last segment, Ask Ted. Uh, I see a lot of these pro players now starting to pop up uh, their programs and they're starting to pop up online training programs and they're doing a better job of getting on the YouTube and all that stuff. Um, so I had uh, Sergio Salcedo reach out to me to see if uh, we would help promote his his new program that he's offering through uh, SergioSalcedo48.com. It's called Train My Way. There will be a link in the description so you can go check that out. Uh, other players are doing similar things. Rob Pinnell's done a couple of these. Rob Pinnell's actually, you know, kind of gone on and has kind of done a circuit and he did some of these. I think it might've been for us lacrosse or some other organizations and they seem to pan out well. And now he's ripping off his own program. Also ripping off. I just mean rattling off. He's, you know, you're starting to see pro players put out content and it's all good, all better than the shit that I do. Um, and a lot of people have asked in a lot of the lacrosse uh, forums and groups and Facebook pages and all that, are these programs worth it? And my answer to that is yes, I think they are. I think that what it comes down to, to me, is if you're strapped for cash, are these programs worth it? Hell no. If you are strapped for cash, I don't think it's worth putting your kid through these programs unless it's unless it's it's so important to that kid. Let's say your kid is a huge Salcedo fan and he just loves everything that uh, 4-8 does on the field, did on the field for Syracuse and does on the field now uh, within the PLL. If, if, if your player loves that guy, then yeah, this would be a great gift. It would be a great Christmas present. It would just be good for training. If you can afford it and it's not going to cause you to miss a mortgage payment, I think that, that these programs are marginally worth it. If you can afford it and money is not an object and your kid is a fan of these players, it's worth it all day long. The, the reality is all of these guys got good by training. They all were in good positions. They all had good coaches, but they didn't have the stuff that your kids now have at their disposal. So when I was training as a kid, we had nothing. We just kind of went out to the cage and shot. We didn't have any focused training. I've talked about this before. And um, when your kid's practicing, uh, you want them to want to practice the right way, but it's hard as a parent. It's hard even as a coach often to get these kids to practice the right way. So where you're dealing with young kids who are very impressionable, who look up to these players, you show your young kid and you have your young kid watch some of the drills that Sergio Salcido uh, would put forth uh, within part of his program. Your kid's going to do those things. Your kid's going to listen to a degree to Sergio Salcedo to 4-8. Tell him, hey, here's how I shoot. Here's how I, you know, here's some drills that we do. Here's some footwork drills. Here's some shooting drills. Here's some dodging drills. You know, you want your kid to train, uh, but you want it to be fun. So you want your kid to play sports, but you want it to be fun. These programs are a huge way to kind of bridge that gap between you give them some really solid things to do. It is a professional lacrosse player that they love and that they look up to that's telling them, hey, here's this drill that you need to do. If it gets your kid to do the drill, and if it's a drill that maybe you've seen that drill before, maybe you haven't. So I think with, with a lot of these programs, you'll probably end up seeing recognizing half of these drills to a degree that they show the kids. And the other half are probably unique or, or different angles and different approaches off of those drills. So as it pertains to 
are these programs that these pro players are putting out, these online programs, worth the money? I say if you're not strapped for cash, absolutely they're worth the money, especially if that player is a, is a player that your kid's into or plays a position that your kid wants to play. Um, I had a friend of mine who recently had, uh, had talked about how uh, her son has uh, has fallen in love as a player with uh, Jamie Tromboli. And um, it's, you know, it's one of those deals where kids are going to pick out a player that, that has a specific style that plays a, a similar position. Maybe Tromboli tore it up in um, one of the games that that kid was at and he got to see Tromboli drop three goals and a helper or something like that in one of those, those games. And that's why he's decided that's his guy. Maybe he's heard people talk about him, whatever the reason may be. Kids are going to attach themselves to players, and where that player has content that, that, that could help that kid progress as a player, put, them, put it in front of them. And uh, if that content isn't free, put it in front of them if you can afford it. So in this case here, uh, Sergio Salcido, uh, go to Sergio Salcido 48, uh, Sergio Salcido 48.com, uh, and you can learn more. It's called Train My Way. I'll put a link in the description that will take you directly to um, either the pre order or the order page for that program. And there's also going to be a promo code. Um, within uh, the description that you can use to get a discount. I think it was a 10% discount off of the price. And um, so, yes, my my answer is I believe they are worth it if you have the money. I believe they are worth it if you can come up with the money to a small degree. And then if you can't come up with the money, no, it's not worth it uh, at that point. And then you just use YouTube and just be smart and coach your own kid and uh, try to take advantage. Ask questions. You have coaches that can help put them into into you know drills that they can do to improve themselves uh but then you can just use the youtube the youtube is huge uh jesse james west i see is putting a bunch of new content out where he's interviewing pros and doing some drills uh so you can check out his channel as well jesse i think it's jesse james west guy he's a player uh right now i believe he plays d3 ball right now and he's a hell of a player and he does, his youtube channel is excellent and it's great content but now i think he's getting more into training uh, type content, whereas before it was more a, a day in the life uh, of a lacrosse player type content. So check out his stuff, check out Rabel's stuff, check out Sergio Salcido stuff on YouTube, on Facebook, on Instagram. If you're a defender, if you are a defender, one of the things you need to check out is Rick Beardsley's Instagram page. Rick Beardsley uh, has put up a bunch of insanely cool quick hit defensive drills that you can do more importantly with limited guys. And that's a, especially for a guy like me who was always an, I was an attackman uh, as a player, a little bit of midfield as a younger man. And um, that was for me as a coach, one of the harder things for me to do is to, you know, figure out things to do with defenders. I, and my, my defensive assistant was, you know, a great defender and a great coach as well. But uh, Beardsley, I wish I had my hand on some of these drills that he's been putting up on Instagram. So if you check out Rick Beardsley, former Syracuse, just disgusting beast defender, he puts out great content on Instagram, uh, uh, re mostly regarding defenders and just quick hit defensive drills and things like that. So check him out as well. So yes, the content that these pros are putting out, the free content, the paid content, all of it has its place and part is part of your kids' training. And I think that the the, the unique thing about the pro content especially the paid pro content, I think is that it's going to be cool for your kid. And if your kid's kind of on that line of, of the, Hey, they, they, they like their stick in their hand. They like to get out there and they're shooting and they're spending time out on the cage already giving them these types of programs and just giving them a little bit of focus. It will be huge for progressing them as a player, I think, because having Sergio or having Rob Pinnell or some of these other guys just say, Hey, here's a drill that I do. If that kid does that drill, even just a handful of times over the course of a, a month, that's going to help him, but you may end up lucking out and having a kid that d decides to be a savage and 
follows these programs all the way through and you may end up bucking up three, four, five hundred bucks for these programs and actually see uh, the work and, and the progress and things like that. So I think they are worth it if you have the loot. Uh, that's my long rambling pitch for it. Um, so that's it for this episode. Uh, as I keep saying, SergioSalcido48.com. Go check that out. There will be a link in the description. There will be a coupon code to go along with that. If you want to support the channel beyond that, you can go to LaxFactor.com. You can listen to the full version of this podcast in one shot, the full audio version of this podcast, or you can watch these vid- videos on YouTube and uh, piecemeal. But as always, go to LaxFactor.com. You can get yourself some swag. We have shorts. We have T-shirts. We have all sorts of stuff, and uh, we'll be back next week. We're going to kind of be a little bit slow um, leading into the next couple of weeks as the season isn't here yet. Uh, So I figure through the holiday, we'll just go once a week. Uh, spread those videos out on YouTube across three, vi- you know, three quick segments, and um, and then come January we'll start getting into the real, true preseason nitty gritty as we approach uh, February's launch. So as always, thank you for watching and enjoy. 